Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, I know you love your work. You wouldn't be hanging around here if you didn't. You know, we're part of an elite crowd to be able to enjoy our work. You know, a lot of people don't. Obviously, you know that. You hear them complain. People say, thank God it's Friday. You know what they're saying. Now I get to do what I really enjoy. On the weekend, squeeze in two days of things I love, then back to the grind. People say, hey, I'm only 13 years away from retirement where I can deep six this stinking job and just hang around the golf course or fish all day. Well, you were part of a different crowd. We're part of a crowd that says, you know what, we're doing something meaningful. Yeah, I've got a bunch of questions today that we're going to be able to unpack some of the concepts that we talk about here, but how we make work that is meaningful, how you do something that is your art, how you take something that you're just passionate about and turn that into what you do, how you share that message with the world. Well, we're going to be talking about that and more. My theme for today is the best time to plant a tree. Now, I live in Tennessee. We're going right into spring. Well, it's not really going to be about horticulture, but I'll tell you what I mean here in a minute. Here's some of the other questions we'll be looking at. Some of the comments. Here, someone says, here's how I got 22 new coaching clients at one event. I want to share how she was able to do that. Dan, a criminal record does not automatically disqualify an applicant from employment consideration. That's a follow-up to a question that we had a week or so ago. Dan, I found a reason to work, even if I don't need the money. There's another follow-up, because we talked last week about, what do you do if you don't need the money? How do you motivate yourself to work? Well, a lot of reasons for that, but had lots of comments this week on that. Dan, how do I stop getting burnt out once a year? And then someone wants to know, Dan, would you be willing to comment on deliberate practice? Deliberate practice, that comes, it's a term that comes from a book that says talent is overrated. Really doesn't matter what your talent is. You just practice and learn how to be good at something. Yeah, I'd be happy to comment on that. Well, here's our quotation. Remember I said our theme is going to be the best time to plant a tree? Well, this comes from an old Japanese proverb that says the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. I work with a lot of people who in essence say, I think it's too late for me. I'm 55 years old. I've never really defined a career that's meaningful. You know, at this point, it's probably too late. Well, no, it's not too late. Gee, I'm overweight. I've been overweight for 20 years. I have heart problems, high blood pressure. It's probably too late. Well, well, it's not too late. Just start now. Start now for the life you want to live tomorrow. Start now. Lots of things coming up. The 48 Days Compound. Um, We've got uh, the next Coaching with Excellence coming up. That'll be in April, April 25th and 26th. And that's going to be the only one that's really open to new coaches. We have an event in September, but that's only for coaching mastery participants, people who are in our more expanded coaching program 
where we really walk through them through the initial part of getting their business built, the first 40 hours of client work, generating revenue and all of that. That's in September. But if you want to come to Coaching with Excellence, as a lot of people are saying you want to do, the the only one for this year then is going to be that April 25th, 26th event. So jump on over to 48days.com live events and you'll see the coaching application there. Got our Udemy course up. Haven't talked about much about this. We put up the Udemy course on the ultimate advantage, how to create your own mastermind group and um, have it really directed you to that. We've got some specials coming up, I'm sure, on that. So just stay tuned and I'll get you some links to that course. Got some pretty amazing testimonials coming in about people who have gone through that course, started their own mastermind group, the kind of results that they're getting. You know, I'm a big believer in that process. I have a new mastermind a group of my own that is just uh, beyond description, and I'll share more details on that as we go along as well. Going to be at Launch Conference in Orlando, April 7th through the 10th. That's Michael Hyatt and Ken Davis's event. i be delighted to see you there, meet you there. I'll be speaking there, doing a presentation on how to leverage your message so you get extraordinary income. Um, I'll be this next week in San Diego at Social Media Marketing World. My buddy Michael Stelzer's event, big event there. Looking forward to that. He's got some really cool things lined up for that. I know the first night we get there, we're going to be on the USS Midway aircraft carrier for a networking party. And then the next night, going to be a riverboat cruise for speakers and some other people. I'm not sure who all going to be there, but got some really interesting things to make it unique event. Of course, we've got Innovate, um, by the time you're listening to this, Innovate will be already over the one that we're doing right here this week. I'm recording this podcast a couple days early so we can make room for the Innovate crowd coming in. But uh, you've heard me talk about we're going to be doing the unveiling of our new sculpted bronze eagle, which I'm extremely excited about, and some other unique things we're going to be doing as well. And then another thing that I... And incidentally, we've got Innovate coming up again in May. So we've got that one is probably about half full already. If you want to get in the Innovate in May, be delighted to see you here for that event. Again, we're scheduling some uh, once in a lifetime things at each of these Innovate events. So that'll be no exception. So register for the one in May. Then got a brand new thing we're just announcing today, and that is the cruise in February of 2015. So we're almost a year out. It gives you plenty of time to plan for that. We're calling it the ultimate advantage, the power of vital connections, the power of being connected with other people. And um, we've got people lined up to speak there. Rory and AJ Vaden will be speaking. Rory, of course, wrote the book, Take the Stairs. They're, they're exceptional presenters and speakers. They'll be talking to us. Uh, Mike and Gail Hyatt will both be talking to us about living together as entrepreneurs. Of course, Joanne and I will be doing some things. Um, Sue Detweiler is going to be talking about her new book, Traits of a Super Mom. Dr. Chris and Rachel McCluskey, who wrote The Power of One, will be talking about uh, the work that they've done on relationships. It's going to be a powerful event. One week we'll be leaving from Fort Lauderdale on 
February 15th. Now, that's the day after Valentine's Day. That's why we're going to have some carryover Valentine's events. But the day after Valentine's Day out of Fort Lauderdale, going down to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then on down to St. Thomas, St. Kitts for a week at sea. Um, Just a spectacular way to get to know each other. We'll be on a celebrity silhouette ship. It's a magnificent ship. Joanne and I have already picked out our room. Michael and Gail Hyatt have already picked out their room. So registration is open. I'll have a link in the podcast notes for that. The Ultimate Advantage Cruise, February 15th through the 22nd, 2015. So let's go to success stories. Now, this comes from Court McCracken. I got a couple notes from her just yesterday. She said, I wanted to reach out to you, say thank you so much for the Innovate Conference. I attended the first one last year, and I have since self-published my book, Art Nurture, The Simple Guide to Cultivating Your Creativity. Now, what she's doing is she's sending copies for people who will be here at Innovate, which is a really cool thing to do. We always have lots of goodies to give away to people because of... uh, people who in the 48 days community who are doing things and want to share their success with people who are on the path as well. But she's going to be sharing her book, Art Nurture, The Simple Guide to Cultivating Your Creativity. Well, I asked her about her book release party because there was a little clip about it on her website when I clicked through and I said, what in the world did you do for your book release party? And that's always a big piece of getting a book out there, getting some traction. She said, For the book release, it ended up being so much more than I could have ever anticipated. I was looking for something unique, but all the options seemed to be too pricey or too blah. Months prior to the book release, I had approached a local restaurant, Biscuit Head. Now, that's a restaurant in Asheville, North Carolina, where she lives, that had just opened, telling them I would love to paint a mural on their wall. It was 60 feet long and every mural artist's dream. I took photos of their wall, had my studio mates Photoshop my proposed piece of art on the photos of their wall. I emailed them the photos. They told me they really liked the images, but would need to check with the landlord of the building. Fast forward four to five months. I'm looking for a venue for the book release. They contact me out of the blue and tell me where to go for the mural. So I negotiated a great deal with them, was able to get the entire restaurant for an evening with specially catered food. Not only that, but because they bonded with me through the mural painting process, it was even more special. The owners and staff of the restaurant are some of my biggest fans. I told the chef this was all about creativity, so go to town, and he did because the food was amazing. He made custom appetizers and house-pickled okra. I had live musicians jamming the whole time, a table full of art materials, a poet with a vintage typewriter typing poetry on demand, and my friend who did all the professional videography. I was shocked that nearly 200 people came. Some of them were Kickstarter backers, others of whom heard about it via friends, posters, a couple of radio interviews I did that week. Some told me that it was the most fun party they had ever been to. Not to mention it was also my 30th birthday. I don't know why people fear 30. I hope every birthday of my 30s is this good. My older sister worked the table, sold the books and custom screen prints I made to go with it. It was absolutely beautiful, and I couldn't have planned a better evening for a book release. Now, that's just what that's Court McCracken is her name. Just one example, and I'll put a link to that, to her to her website with her book, Art Nurture. It's a really well-done book. I did an endorsement for it. Um, I'm delighted that she got it out, but it started by coming to innovate 
and shaping her ideas, taking the idea and really doing something with it. Jonathan Milligan. Now, I want to share this as well. Now, this is going to be a success story, but I want to help him in what he's doing because it's such a worthwhile thing. Dan, a big thank you for Platform University Masterclass. I walked away with several ideas. I love to create products and courses to help solve problems. Now, let me just insert something there. See how Jonathan started that note to me? A big thank you for Platform University Masterclass. I just did a video interview, an hour long, with Michael Hyatt that he released to his Platform University. And it's how to leverage your ideas and how to create significant income. I've gotten a lot of feedback on that. But you want to know how to get favors from people? Thank them first for something they already did. Thank them or compliment them. Jonathan did that. So he says, I'm reaching out to a few key relationships about a new project I'm working on. My seven-year-old niece was recently diagnosed with brain cancer and will be undergoing 48 weeks of intense treatment. I've been trying to think of ways I could help raise medical funds for the family and cause me to dust off an old project that I think has reached its time. It's a self-published book called The Gift, What You Have That the Richest Man Can't Buy. It's a story for anyone who wants to discover their gifts so they can bless others. It's inspired by the acres of diamonds book that I read many years ago when you gave it away in your site. I still, I still give that away. Incidentally, I think when people sign up for my newsletter, they get a free copy of acres of diamonds. This is basically the reader learns how to, how to look inward, to discover their gift through reading a story. I plan to have some coaching exercises at the end of the book. Anyways, I'm donating a hundred percent of the proceeds to the medical needs of my niece. We already raised just over $700 just from one initial email out to my list. And then he goes through, and I'm going to have a link to that. Jonathan Milligan, very active in 48days.net, has a group called Blogging Your Passion. He's very active in helping people learn how to blog well, but has this book that he's done and putting it out there. You donate essentially whatever you want to to this project to help raise money for his seven-year-old niece. They've taken in the the niece's two other siblings and have them living with them during this process of treatment for her. And we're all confronted with these family situations. But you know, this is a great example of how we take what it is we do well and engage it as part of the real life situation that comes up. We don't just separate our lives, just put our, what we love to do on the back burner when something comes up in our personal lives. No, we integrate it, do both. Great way to do that, Jonathan. We wish you well on that project. And of course, wish, pray for health and success for your little niece as well. Here's a note from Lady J, who says, Dan, I just wanted to say thank you. Your books and podcasts have done so much for me. I'm a member of uh, Platform University. <laughs> Again, another one. Had a chance to watch the awesome interview between you and who I consider to be my wonderful virtual mentor, Michael Hyatt. I wanted to report that I just launched my own coaching business and got 22 clients within the first hour of offering my very first live event. In fact, the event was sold out with over 50 people in attendance. From that event, I launched another deep dive VIP day and got 10 more coaching clients. These live events happen monthly, provide recurring revenue for my business. I'm so excited. wanted to thank you for simply being a shining example of God's love and wisdom in action. P.S. I just finished my 13th 26-mile marathon, crossed the finish line with so much gratitude for love, life, and faith. Thank you for all you do. I look forward to attending Coaching with Excellence, meeting you in person, and learning all that I can. And then she asked there, would I be, 
willing to interview for her blog. Yes, I'd be happy to. I've already responded to her. Now, what she's doing is putting together these one-day events, Deep Dive VIP, where she honors the people who attend, but she also tells them what she's doing in terms of coaching. How would you like to put on an event and get 22 new clients? Boom, just like that. Great example there. Well, we could go on and on with the stories coming in. As I'm working on the revision of 48 Days to the Work You Love, I, I'm continuing to get a lot of stories from people who have been impacted by that book over the years, for which I'm grateful. And I get those stories. I'm integrating a lot of those cool stories in the new revision that'll come out in November of this year, the 10th anniversary edition of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Well, there you go. Just a few of the stories. You can get your name in the list. Love to hear your story. If you just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, you'll see an opportunity there to submit your question, your success story, whatever you want to share with us. Be happy to consider that for an upcoming show. So, we are the champions. There you go. We are indeed. Well, let's go into some of the questions. This one comes from Tom in Akron, New York. I'm so inspired by the ideas you present in your books and other media channels. The 48 Days message has changed the way I think about work, career, and life. While my thinking has changed, I'm finding it difficult to get my circumstances to change. My wife and I have four children. I have a full-time job as an engineer. We started a cake decorating business together, but we have such little margin in our lives. Our lives are so busy that it seems impossible to launch revenue generating products and services. Plus, we're not experienced at this. Do you have any advice on how to find partners that might be able to help us put products together? We'd like to get to a point where I can leave my J-O-B and I think we could use some help. Thanks for all you do. Well, thanks for your question, Tom. I do. I'm... I have looked up your wife's cakes. They are beyond description. The The cake that is a flower pot with flowers coming out of the top. I mean, I swear it looks like an, an art drawing. It's hard to imagine that that is actually an edible cake. Shoot it to my wife. She's passing it around. We're looking forward to having more contact with you to share some of the ideas that you and Shauna are doing. Now, in regard to how you do this, you know, how you launch an idea, how you create margin in your life, how you generate income from new products. I mean, every situation is different. It's hard to give just a simple answer on that. Obviously, I'm a big believer in going to workshops and seminars, reading books, uh, getting instructional coaching on how to do that are all pieces of that. The innovate process, you know, we, we have an innovate event going on here at the sanctuary three times a year. Here's what I go through in that. And I'll just give you the steps of that. So you can kind of decide where it is you're stuck. Just like when we look at a job search, we know that you do a resume and then you do your letters that go out, you do interviews and then you negotiate salary. Blah, blah, blah. We can see where a person gets stuck. If a person has had 53 interviews and never had a job offer, we don't need to look at their resume. The resume is doing exactly what it ought to do. We need to look at what is happening in the interview where nobody wants you on their team, where you haven't convinced anybody to be on their team. So in the same way, we can look at this process that I'm going to give you right here, four steps and determine where is it that you're 
breaking down? What is it that you need help in? The first one in this innovate process to taking an idea and having it accomplish everything you want in terms of time, freedom, income, and all those wonderful things. The first step, define uniqueness. Focus your passion. Number two, build authority. Grow your craft and confidence. So do what it is that you do. Prove that you really do it well, that you do it perhaps better than anybody else. Number three, establish your voice. Expand your audience and connections. Now in the the Innovate event, that's where I have Michael Hyatt come in and he talks about platform, how to build your platform, how to connect with other people, whether that's through a blog, a podcast, a newsletter, speaking, writing, coaching, whatever it is. How do you connect with other people? Because if people don't know about you, people, if you don't have people who know, like, and trust you, you're going to have a hard time being successful with whatever it is that you're doing. So that's number three. The number four is leverage and prosper. Deliver your work, give people what they want. How do you do that in multiple ways? I mean, as a coach, you've heard me talk about leveraging my message. If I am just coaching, then I'm limited to so many hours in the day, so many days in the week. There's a pretty quick ceiling to what I could possibly do in coaching people individually. But if I take that core message and I do seminars where that's an essence coaching a group, I leverage that. If I write a book, it leverages that more. If I do an audio program or instructional manual, it leverages it again and again and again. What I do is allow people to access that message any way they want it. You have to learn how to do the same. And when you have a physical product, it may seem difficult to do that. If you're baking cakes, I mean, how do you leverage that? Wow. If, if somebody wants a beautiful wedding cake, you can make that, but it, that's one item with one customer. How do you leverage that? Well, it may, may mean doing a little video tutorial on how to do an astounding wedding cake. And you sell the video for $8.95 and you have it on places like lynda.com and Creative Life and Udemy and you start generating an income like that from what you know in addition to what it is that you do. But that's what we have to look at. How can you leverage what it is that you're doing so you're not just locked into trading time for dollars? Now that's a, that's a really significant question that is applicable to a whole lot of you listening to go through those steps, figure out where you're stuck to give you the kind of life that you're looking for. Well, let's, let's go on. I wish, wish we could um, unpack that specifically for everybody, but you start where you are and start getting the input that you need to get you released and onto the next level of that four step process. Al says, in relation to the person who wants to teach but is afraid of prior arrest. Now, this is in response to a couple weeks ago, I talked about somebody concerned they wanted to go into teaching, but they had had a conviction on their record that was not going to go away and knew that that would close a lot of doors. Now, I offered some tips there for how to get around that. It really isn't an all or nothing kind of obstacle. But anyway, Al offers another piece here that's really valuable. He says, I attended an HR site session today and the human resource professional handed out an interview sheet on it. I saw this disclosure of a criminal record does not automatically disqualify an applicant from employment consideration. Each case must be judged on its own merit based on job relatedness, nurture nature and severity of the conviction and how long ago it occurred. The fact that she, the woman that asked the question is becoming known in the school district will be very helpful. In addition to the above information, you know, these things, 
do not have cookie cutter kind of resolutions. Everybody's situation is different. I know a whole lot of people that have felony convictions who are out here and they're very productive, very successful in what they're doing. If you have a felony conviction and you go to 20 banks because you want to work as a teller and you make their application there, yeah, you're going to be convinced nobody's ever going to hire you because a bank probably won't. Because if you have access to money, yeah, they do background checks and those things are going to be big red flags. But that's not true with a whole lot of other opportunities. I mean, if you want to work on a landscape crew and you show up and you have a felony conviction, it's probably not a big deal. There's a whole lot of opportunities where it's not a big deal. I listened to an NPR piece this week that was pretty astounding. And I'll, I'll go back and unpack it here one of these days because as I, I get more questions. And as a matter of fact, in doing the update for 48 Days to the Work You Love, I also have listed 12 what will be mini books that will go with that. It won't change the original book. I mean, the original book will stand alone in its revision, but then I'm going to have addendums that may be like 50 or 60 pages in just little pamphlets almost that'll be sold as separate items where it'll be 48 days for the recently released inmate, 48 days for the recent military veteran, 48 days for the recently retired, 48 days for the recent college graduate, and so on and so forth. So I'm going to be doing those. So I'm gathering information and like this, that has to do with somebody who has a, a felony conviction. Incidentally, this NPR piece uh, gave some astounding stats that are just um, gut-wrenching stats. The, the fact that we know that there is a lot of race differentiation in our prison system. I mean, we, we have more people in prison than any country in the world. I mean, we have like 5% of the world's population. We have like 87% of the world's uh, people who are locked up. I mean, it's just astounding how quickly we've locked people up and how those numbers have exploded in the last few years. So we have people behind bars for all kinds of little things, not diminishing the importance of uh, people adhering to laws, but um, the laws are not applied in the same ways. We know that. I mean, it's uh, this piece from NBR said it's a whole lot better to be rich and guilty than poor and innocent. Well, Joanna and I have seen that played out many times. We know plenty of people who are in prison who would not be there if they had had a little bit of money to pay the right legal team. Well, let me, let me go on before I get misdirected here. Gretchen from Pipiku, Hawaii. Whoa, what a cool place. In response to what, why should I work if I don't need the money, I'd like to offer a suggestion. Find a way to help the world that resonates with you and it will give your money and your work meaning. I'm retired, but I'm now working toward using my entrepreneurial skills and money to start a business that will help women living in poverty in Africa and India. I'm not quite launched yet, but I'm definitely on the path and I'm eager and excited to wake up every morning. I recommend doing something for others to make your life and your money have meaning. Thanks so much for all you do. Well, thank you, Gretchen. I appreciate that kind note and certainly commend you on what you're doing. And you are exactly right. There are so many things to do to give your life a sense of purpose, meaning, vision, destiny, even if you don't need the money. I mean, it's, it's just so self-centered. It's that navel staring to think that, well, I have enough money, so I don't have any reason to get up in the morning. Wow, not so. 
Got a lot of notes on that, incidentally. And we've got a discussion going in my mastermind group, a really rich discussion on that, because frankly, we've got some people in the mastermind group who are in that very position where they don't need to generate any more money. They've got more money than they could possibly ever need. And so what is it that keeps them going? Got Got a really rich discussion going there. Frank from Meridian, Connecticut says, another quote from Warren Buffett. I had quoted Warren Buffett as we talked about that last week. Why work if you don't need the money? Warren Buffett says, Berkshire Hathaway, the company that he has, is his canvas, and he gets to go in and paint every day. That's a great description. I shared that with Joanne and some of her artist friends the other day. That's how he describes his work. It's not that he needs the money. Obviously, if you have $50 billion, he doesn't need to go generate another $100,000 this year. But his work is his canvas, and he gets to paint every day. Well, Frank says, here's another quote from Warren Buffett that I wrote on the inside cover of your 48 low-cost business ideas. Buffett was asked, how do you get your ideas? He said, I just read. I read all day. I mean, we put $500 million in PetroChina. All I did was read the annual report. And then, of course, PetroChina was purchased five years ago, was sold recently, I believe, $4 billion. And uh, Frank says in, in Warren Buffett's office, he doesn't even have a computer. He'll just go in there and read for hours at a time. Yeah, thanks for sharing that piece. Certainly a great piece of advice. You want to increase your knowledge, wisdom, and opportunities? Read more. Jared from Fort Worth, Texas. So this is an interesting one. He says, I seem to fall in the same trap every time. I start a job, get excited about it, and then a year into it, I'm bored out of my mind and looking for something else. How do I stop getting burnout like this? I catch myself daydreaming most of the day and wishing I could be with my family and on my own time rather than having somebody tell me where and when I when and where I have to be. Your advice is appreciated. I love your books and your shows. How do you keep from getting burned out? Well, here's a couple tips. Anticipate the changes. Prepare for them. I mean, if you know that's true about yourself, prepare for them. Now, I'm not quite as bad as what you describe, Josh, but Joanne still describes me as a three-year man. She knows that every three years I'm going to get bored. I'm going to be doing new things. Now, here's how I've anticipated that, though. I know that about myself. So instead of just doing one thing and then sabotaging that and starting over, I build the change in. So I'm constantly looking at what parts of what I'm doing now are boring to me, even if they're successful, what I want to stop doing so that I can add a new section and I purposely come up with something new that I'm going to do. I've done a lot of that this year. As a matter of fact, Joanne and I were talking last night at dinner. I really think that this year, the way it's shaping up is going to be the busiest year I've ever had in my life. I'm having to be very careful about things that I'm saying yes to because of how it is already booked up. I mean, we're, we're scheduling things, you know, like the cruise I just talked about in 2015. We're already pushing a lot of things into 2015. So we're pushing things over 12 months out because we don't have room for them in the upcoming 12 months. So I'm extremely busy, but in that period of time, I will also be looking at what is it that I'm going to not continue doing next year. 
so that I can add new things. Part of the reason I'm so busy right now is because of the new things that I added on this year. Now, I did take some things off my plate, some pretty strategic, significant things. I took off my plate so that I could free up the time to add these new things in. Um, So anticipate the changes. I mean, no job is intended to last forever. Make sure you have a vision of what your life will look like three years from now. Now, that's where you have to have a bigger vision than just your job. If you're defined by what you're doing now, then this is a big deal. You get burned out and want to quit, man, you're really rocking the boat at home and in your life. But the re- the way you get by that is to recognize what your life is going to look like three years from now. Not necessarily what your job will look like, but your life is the continuing thread. Jobs will come and go, but if you don't have a, a compass for your life, and that could be in the form of a mission statement, a vision statement, but that's your compass for your life. Then any job will change will make you feel like you're starting over. But if you have that compass, then changing a job or business is not a big deal. So I'd encourage you to approach it like that, Jared, where you make sure you have a personal mission statement. And a personal mission statement doesn't define what you do in your job. No, it defines the bigger picture, what you want your life to look like, how you want to be remembered, you know, what you're doing to make the world a better place, however you want to frame that. I know I've got samples of personal mission statements and a personal mission statement worksheet to build your own at our un, under helpful resources at the 48days.com link if you want to go there and look at it. But figure out what your personal mission statement is. So that's continuation. But that's why even people that I work with, you know, if I work with a dentist and the dentist says, I don't want to do this anymore. Dentistry has changed and there's too much paperwork involved in the insurance work. You know, I can't find good employees. I don't want to do this anymore. That's okay. We don't go back to where the person was 18 years old and start over again. No, that person is going to have a whole lot of transferable skills, transferable areas of competence that we can move right into a new profession, new job, however we frame that new business takes those things with him, but we can redirect. It's not starting over. It's just a gentle realignment, even if you're going from a profession like that. So changing a job is not a big thing. If you have a sense of the bigger picture, that is being the compass of your life. Well, this comes from Jonathan in Aberdeen, North Carolina. I'm getting ready to graduate and transition into nursing with my RN license. The company I work for now has helped me pay and has made me sign a two-year contract to work for them for two years. I want to negotiate top dollar for my hourly pay. Many say that I will not be able to negotiate because I'm a new RN and have nothing to offer. 48 days has made me realize my skills in staff coordination, management, and leadership. I'm especially passionate about improvement and development with focus on staff and performance. Can I negotiate and sell myself despite being a new RN along with the other applicants? Should I apply to other hospitals despite having a contract? I'm not obligated to work at this hospital. The contract states, though, that I must pay back the amount given to me if I don't fulfill the contract. Well, a couple things here are important, Jonathan. One is just because you have this agreement, don't think that you're just yeah, it's not that they just have total control over. Yeah, you can still negotiate the terms of what your working agreement is going to be for that two-year period where you are working for them. So 
Don't think that you just have to walk in, take whatever they give you. That's still to be negotiated, just like any other position. So it's still a time to position yourself based on what it is you're describing here, the areas of competence that you know that you have that set you apart from everybody else. So no, it doesn't matter that you're just a newbie. You still have negotiating power to negotiate and ask and structure a compensation plan and work responsibilities that would really fit you as a good opportunity. Yes, you can do that. You ask about going to another hospital. Yeah, you can look at that. I mean, you can look at that and just weigh that as an option. If you did that, could you make enough additional income that it would justify repaying what this current company has paid you for your education? I mean, so it's a pretty easy mathematical formula like that. So you can look at those as options and then just simply choose the best choice. The bottom line, though, at the end of the day, two years is a very short period of time. Don't think that that, I mean, a lot of people go into, um, you know, in the military and they sign up for four years at a time or whatever. Two years is a blink of the eye in the scope of life. So don't feel like it's the end of the world. If you're doing something, it's not your exact dream job in that period of time. If you then do that, two-year stint, so you really have two years of real-life experience then as a registered nurse. I mean, that's going to be really valuable for projecting you into your next opportunity. And you may find that the opportunities with your current company are sufficient to take you for a significant period of time forward in your career. But no, I, you know, look at the varied options that you have, but um, I don't think that this is unrealistic that you continue to work for this company. And yes, you can negotiate for something extremely advantageous for you, even with that company. Great question. Well, this comes from Mark who says, Dan, would you be willing to comment on deliberate practice? Now I love this question. I love this concept and I'll tell you why here as we look at, you know, where this, where this comes from. Um, the term is from the book. Talent is overrated. What really separates world-class performers from everybody else? And in the book, in the, there's, there's an article that talks about this deliberate practice. What it's describing as deliberate practice from the concept of the book is that practice is really what makes somebody great. That talent, it really doesn't matter. Talent, you don't need to worry about having talent. You just choose something and just do that really well. And what Mark's questions are is he says, does this contradict the belief of concentrating on our areas of greatest strength? If talent is mostly irrelevant, doesn't that take away most of our excuses if we want to become great at something? Well, yeah, I mean, yes, yes to both of those in, in some sense. Now you've heard me talk a lot about find where you are strong and focus on that. Don't focus on your weaknesses and making those better. You'll be mediocre at a lot of things. Focus on what it is you already do really well. And I think that lines up with talent and passion. So I'm going to kind of group those all together. Here's the way this really rolls out. If you, if you think Talent isn't important. And, and you can make a case for this. I mean, even when we look at, you know, uh, is talent inherited? I mean, are Eli 
and Peyton Manning great quarterbacks because their father Archie was. Well, Archie has written a book about that called, um, well, actually, I think it's Eli that wrote a book called The Making of a Quarterback. And he says that he and Peyton never bought into the gene theory. They never bought into the theory that they were going to be great quarterbacks just because their dad was. They're great quarterbacks because they practice more than anybody else. I mean, I think that's really an accurate approach, but I don't think they would be great quarterbacks if they weren't really passionate about being a great quarterback anyway. So I think they started with something where there was a seed of a talent, something where there was already a passion there and developed that. I mean, if I decided that I was going to be a golfer and I knew that if I just practiced enough, I could be a pretty respectable golfer. And I think that that would be true, that if I just went and practiced, but I have no interest in doing that. I have no interest in golfing at all. I mean, it was one of those things where I used to joke about it. I had a, a, a guy who sub leased uh, some office space from me several years ago. And he was a really passionate golfer. I mean, he would get withdrawal symptoms if he didn't go out and golf, you know, three, four times a week. And he just was convinced that I ought to become a golfer. So one of my birthdays, he and Joanne got together and he took me out to the golf course. And it was actually for my 50th birthday. He took me out to the golf course with a golf pro and spent the afternoon with the golf pro. I absolutely loved it. I, w- I enjoyed the time. It was a gorgeous afternoon. And I enjoyed the time greatly. I've never been back again. In <laughs> as much as it was a fun thing to do, it was fun being out there with my buddy and I could see how somebody could get really hooked into that. It just didn't grab me at all. I've got way too many things that I want to accomplish that are what I think a, a more exciting and valuable use of my time than spending four hours out walking around chasing a little white ball around on the grass. Now, you can make a case for that because of the networking and all that. I realize that. But for me, it would just be an arduous kind of thing to try to practice to be good at that. So I think the idea of just deliberate practice, thinking that we can just pick anything we want to out of a book and become really, really good just because of practice, I think we're missing a really big element. If it's not already connected to your passion and an innate talent that you have, I think the practice is going to come up short. Well, let me just grab, let me just grab one more question here. This comes up again and again and again. And as I mentioned last week, I'm going to devote an entire podcast soon to the idea of education. How do we get an education that really matters? Here's a question, and this kind of is just a one example. Dan, I'm 32 years old. I've started an MBA program at Auburn University because I've spent the past five years in a very technical engineering position at the bottom of the corporate ladder. I picked the MBA route because with each company, I've evaluated a lot of the upper management and they had their MBAs. Since my desire has always been to be a market leader, I just assumed that an MBA would be a requirement. What really separates a resume person from a CEO person in a fortune 500 company? Wow. Tina, that, 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 There have been more books written about that. What does separate somebody who just has the right degree and somebody who really ends up at the top of the pack? 
I mean, I, I commend you on moving forward, not being content with the status quo. I mean, you're right to question what is it that separates a resume person from a CEO. And it's never just a matter of having the right degrees. Actually, it's, it's less now than ever before. I mean, here at 48 Days, I mean, we've, we, we've engaged a social media director, product fulfillment manager, webmaster, graphic designers, blog coach, podcast consultant, speech coach, marketing director, several other positions. In not one case did I ask for a resume or even inquire about degrees or certification. It's, you know, it's humorous to me to think about that. Think about some of the people that we've got on our team and for me to try to guess what kind of degrees they have, because I really don't know. Having an MBA, does that help somebody? Well, that's great experience. Now, keep in mind, there are two reasons for getting especially advanced degrees. I always tell people this. There are two reasons. One is so you get a piece of paper so somebody will give you a job. The second reason is for the personal learning that takes place. Now, if you go for reason number one, you're likely to be disappointed. There's a whole lot of people out here with MBAs who are flipping hamburgers and asking you if you want that in plastic or paper. I mean, it doesn't guarantee opportunities at all. As a matter of fact, people are confused about what an MBA means. It's become such a ubiquitous degree at this point. There's so many people who have it. It's kind of lost a lot of its impact. And frankly, it's also the most bonied degree on resumes in the world. There are thousands of resumes floating around out there that have an MBA on it where the person doesn't really have an MBA. Now, I hate to say that, and it's sad that that's true, but it is. Very rarely, very rarely does an employer check academic credentials. If you show that you went to Harvard and you have an MBA, they're going to say, hey, that's cool. You know, when can you start? The chances of them actually going back and checking academic records to verify that are like one out of a million. So people know that. So unfortunately, sad as it is, there's a whole lot of people that just add those degrees on their resumes, hoping that it gives them a little bit of an edge over the next candidate. But if degrees aren't important, what am I likely to look for? What are companies more commonly looking for if it's not an extra degree? What are the things that you can do right now that puts you ahead of the pack in terms of being a, a top choice candidate? Here's the things I'm likely to look for. A note of recommendation from three people I know and respect. A recent project that I can review. Media buzz about what that person's already done. You know, one of the first things I'm going to do before I get to the bottom of your resume and look at your academic degrees, I'm going to do an online search. I did that yesterday. Young lady I'm working with, and she describing a lot of these wonderful things. I wanted to know, does she exist online? Well, she really doesn't. She's done a couple book reviews on Amazon. That's pretty much it. I mean, I figured that out in 30 seconds. And I, wow, she's just been a non-participant in the real world. So I'm going to look at that. If you've been a leader of a group on a social networking site, wow, that's going to be important. If you're doing a regular blog that's compelling and engaging. If you have a high EQ, that is a high emotional quotient. That's going to be more important than a high IQ or a high GPA. All those acronyms we throw around. Well, you can do those things. And again, 
the MBA has become such a common generic degree. I'd encourage you to get in the game with some of these other things that you you can do that show that you are a real player. Now, a lot of people can get a degree. You pay enough money and sticking around enough, spend enough time, you can get another degree behind your name. But it doesn't really show a company much in terms of what real value you bring to the table. Now, I'm doing a lot of generalization here, and I don't mean to offend anybody. And obviously, if you want to be an attorney, you better have a JD behind your name. If you're going to do brain surgery on my granddaughter, you better have an MD behind your name and a whole lot of other credentials. I mean, certainly there are specific examples like that. But for the kind of things that a lot of you are asking about, it plays a lower part And you better be careful about investing time and energy in something that may not have a whole lot of impact on your new opportunities for success. Well, hey, how's that for a quick major wrap up? Yes, you hear the music. We're out of time. Hey, thanks for being part of this great community, part of a community of people who really are making the world a better place. You know the best time to plant a tree. If you didn't do it 20 years ago, plant it today. It'll make your tomorrow better. Well, thanks for being part of this community and the ongoing group of people who are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. There you go. You got to squeeze it in after the yell. Have a great week.